listeners, welcome back. It's once again time for Maya, my yoga audio, and I'm your host, Megan Morgan. Our next absolutely incredible guest is named Jesse Bliss. Jesse is the founder and artistic director of the Roots and Wings Project, which is a politically charged, socially transformative project-based theater company with a mission to provide stage and space for voices of the unnamed, unknown, and misunderstood. She is also the author of the chapbook and companion manual, I Love Myself Golden, originally written for incarcerated young women and core curriculum at Occidental College. I first met Jessie about eight years ago when she hosted a writing workshop right here in Sacramento, and she presented that book, and we have remained connected ever since. I purchased several copies of I Love Myself Golden and have found it to be a continued source of comfort and an incredible gift to share with friends and women of all ages and backgrounds. The list of Jessie's accomplishments and work is impressive. That's why she's here and why I asked her to be here. She's an international playwright, a director, producer, actress, poet, and a veteran arts educator. Also, she's a groundbreaking storyteller, my favorite thing. She's experienced art as life-saving and in turn has dedicated her life's work to offering art to others of all ages, backgrounds, and socioeconomic standings. She attributes art as core to her own healing and wellness, knowing the power of what it can do to reshape lives, resist oppression, and help raise awareness on matters of civil and human rights. Her poems, articles, and curriculum have been published widely, and her recent project, Matriarch, consists of monologues that shine light on the critical need to disrupt patriarchy. She directed and executive produced Luminous Streets, a site-specific theatrical tour addressing women's survival and the pursuit of justice. And she was also a producer of KPFK 90.7 FM's program, Think Outside the Cage, for several years. Jessie specializes in writing curriculum and teaching theater and writing of various forms to people of all ages and backgrounds, including underserved and incarcerated populations. In addition to working with some of the most prestigious organizations in the nation, she's also been awarded grants to support workshops in juvenile halls, men's and women's prisons, as well as being a recipient of the Cultural Pathways Grant from the California Arts Council. Jessie is also an incredible mom to a growing daughter and a woman who's making waves all over California and the world. Jessie, welcome to the show and just Wow. (laughs) Thank you for making the time to be here with us today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, no, you're just for those of you watching on YouTube, Jesse is a glowing ray of life with long flowing hair and like a peach colored dress and just glowing skin and a beautiful smile. So we are so lucky to be with her today. And Jesse, you do so many things and you're so incredibly passionate and talented. Would you, because I just read this whole big long, but I feel like that was even a shortened, you know, all about you. Would you just tell us about you, who you are in this moment and like what's taking up space in your mind, your heart and your body right now? The first word that comes to me is justice. Right now, 
I'm very focused on art as an instrument of healing and art as a vehicle for justice. I think it's been that way for me for a very long time and continues to be so. I think as we're faced with seemingly insurmountable circumstances in our society, I continuously turn to art because I feel like it is an offering that can really give us the breath and space to process what we're dealing with all around us. You know, critical matters of, um, you know, all types of injustice from racism to our environment to the inequities of you know the education system and you know economic inequity and on and on and on i think all of these matters can be at least for myself most effectively processed through art so that's why i always end up turning to art and specifically art that's created by women because our voices have been kept down for so long and there's still this concerted global effort to keep us quiet and to quote unquote keep us in our place so i think the more that we not just speak out but tell our stories and share our perspective and our humanity i think the more things will shift toward justice because we've been really left out of the picture so to you know bring our voice in is gonna um, it's gonna create a shift, but of course, I think it's a fight. I think it's a battle, um, and I just you know I just try to stay in the ring, you know. And I do get bloody. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna get right back up again and keep fighting and try my best to you know refresh myself because this is real. This is no joke. The work that we do right now is very hard, harder than it's been. I feel in the past. Yeah, there's some. Um... I listen to a lot of podcasts and do like a lot of reading and I heard someone and they were in Australia or New Zealand weirdly and they said this is the time like right before there's massive social and cultural change it's almost like the birth they kind of compared it to the birthing process like we're right in transition right now and it's always the hardest right before there's that big shift, right? Because there's the resistance to keep things the same. And then there's people pushing like, no, we've got to progress. And it's that like tightness, right? Of those two things coming together. And it is kind of a battle. It's interesting that you said like, I'm in it. I'm going to get bloody. Like this is sometimes what it takes to, you know, push things forward. I was going to ask you about, I love myself golden, but I feel like I'll ask that after and, and more about your other projects that you are in right now. Cause I know I love myself golden is like ongoing, but what have you been, there's matriarch, the joy ride, women at work, luminous streets. There's yes. another one you mentioned um, earlier. Well, What's that it, work doing? You know what? It's been a really interesting trajectory for the roots and wings project, my theater company in the pandemic, because, you know, we've been in production from like 2018 to the end of last year. So this is the first time I made a deliberate pause um, because we worked straight through the pandemic when a lot of other companies shut down. We kept mm -hmm. going. And that is because um, in 2019, right before the pandemic, we did a theatrical immersive tour through downtown Los Angeles. And it was five plays written by five different women um, about women's survival and pursuit of justice. It was a really heavy undertaking that people told me I could not do time and again. They said, that's not possible. You can't bring crowds through downtown. You can't get legal permission. So it took years to make it happen. And it did happen. And it was beyond my wildest dreams 
it was really epic the way it turned out. I mean, I'm so grateful, you know, for what that project was. So when the pandemic hit, we were steeled for difficult circumstances. I mean, you know, we had rehearsed that play for six months in Skid Row, in the elements of downtown. We went through a lot down there. So I put together artists who had worked together, you know, in those circumstances, knew each other, loved each other, trusted each other, and had a profound artistic ability. And we made a play out of a vintage convertible called the Joyride. And this idea that, you know, when the world is on fire, we will claim our joy. And the play centers around um, four friends, you know, all dealing with circumstances relevant to today, matters that we all struggle with right now, matters of the pandemic, matters of racism, matters of struggling to be an artist in a society that doesn't care about art. Um, and so, yeah, we rolled that out and it was just a pilot, but it was absolutely incredible. Um, it went on the back burner because we were in, you know, process with a Houston Coalition Against Hate. They're a really extraordinary organization. They do very powerful work in Houston. And so we were supposed to fly out there to perform our long running show Matriarch, but with the pandemic, we went through a long struggle to get that show up. It was difficult. And it's a show we know very well because it's been running for years, but to perform it in the pandemic was hard. And we went through a lot of different strategies through the changes until finally we performed it um, last year, late last year, um, in person twice outside, and then it streamed for a month. Um, and then after that, we were truly exhausted from, you know, just working through the pandemic um, and trying to understand a circumstance that had no rules about it, no rhyme or reason, <laughs> nothing to follow. And so this, yeah, this was, this was the first time in like, I guess, five years that um, we have taken time. I would not call it a break because we've been doing a lot of grant writing. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've been also fighting way too hard to keep our program going at the women's prison. I mean, it's been a true battle. So that's also taken a lot of energy. And there's been many times, in fact, recently where we almost had to make a call to stop. Like, this is ridiculous and we're just going to have to stop doing the program. And then something happens to shift and we stay we stay in and we keep going, but that's been really hard. So we've sort of had to just, we grew really fast. So we had to take a minute to recalibrate and get some, you know, infrastructure support and just take a minute and kind of, you know, redirect our sales. So yeah. that's where things are right now, you know, and then I'm trying to nurture myself as an individual artist, you know, as my own human with needs to write. <laughs> just yes. you know, yeah I mean I the work we do is very collaborative and you know when we're in production there's like usually at least 15 people on board and we work very closely but um I find in order to be effective in those capacities I I really have to take a minute to myself and you know deal with myself on the page and write and just get clear about where I'm coming from and you know what stories are coming through me and once I can see some vision of my own, it really helps me to be more present creatively with other people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's the perfect segue into <laughs> I love myself golden because I've, I know you told the story in the writing class and you've told it um, since because you only release like open up sales for the book a few times a year. 
and I'm hoping you would regale our listeners with the tale of how that story came to you, how it progressed with the art, how it progressed with getting out in the prison system, and then beyond that, right? Because now the, the public loves it too. Yes, I had been at Central Juvenile Hall for 12 years, and I had been on the special handling unit mm-hmm. where the young women are kept on lockdown, mm-hmm. and it was inhumane. I would see a young girl one week pregnant and the next week not pregnant any longer, but her baby not with her. And she'd be lactating and crying and asking me for advice. And at that time, I was not a mother. I showed as much love and support as I knew how and gave what I could. But in my own parting out of the capacity of Central Juvenile Hall, um, because I did become a mom and I was going in when I was pregnant and then I had to call it one and say, you know what, I need to not be here anymore in this youth prison during this time in my life. And so I had an idea. It just literally came to me in a bar with colleagues after leaving um, the jail. I thought, oh my goodness, like I need to leave them with something. But what, you know, they don't have anything. They need something to read, to touch, to refer to. And so I thought, you know, I was referencing um, what to expect when you're expecting, which is so, it'd be offensive to them and completely irrelevant. But I thought it's something like that. It's a manual. And then I thought of, I thought of, you know, oh, I need to, I need to make them something. I need to make them something. And so, you know, I can't say I live by the message of the book. I can say I want to, and I'm humble to the message of the book because I feel it came through me. I told myself I wasn't going to write the book till it was crystal clear in my head what needed to be said and that I would do it in one sitting because I feel so much work gets lost because we don't have the time or we don't have the energy. So I sat in Boyle Heights at La Monarca Bakery at 6 a.m. sharp and I had alphanumerics paintings. I had piles of her visual work, which is very beautiful and profound and I knew which ones I wanted to use. And so I just sat down in the seat and told myself, you're going to write from the bottom of your guts, your heart, your soul. You're going to be a channel. You're going to listen to the ancestors. And this is, you're going to, you're going to honor what comes through you right now. And I just did the whole entire book in a few hours and then let it alone, went back and did some minor edits. And then, you know, poets and writers who I admire and love very deeply, they got behind the project and they had, um, you know, supported some workshops to, you know, that inspired the writing of the book. And then, you know, it's palm sized so that it can be hidden in the bra because everything eventually is going to get taken in there, if not eventually right away. <laughs> so I made it palm sized so that they could hide it in their bra and maybe pass it and circulate it a little bit more easily. We had to bind it with PCB glue in the beginning because in youth prison you can't even have staples. So we had to bind everything by hand. But um, we did release the book publicly in Los Angeles, and that was the first moment where we went, oh, interesting, how weird that people not incarcerated would um, relate to the book. That really surprised us. And actually, you know, the title came when I was together with Alfie in person, um, conceptualizing the visuals for the book, which she created the cover for it. But I love myself golden. I was literally breastfeeding my daughter while Alfie and I were speaking. And we were talking about logistics. This sounds insane. When we, we were like, we're the only people that will ever believe this story. But we were talking <laughs> logistics about the book. 
And my daughter is breastfeeding and all of a sudden she lifts her head up and she said, I love myself. And we just could not believe what we heard. She was a year and a half. She was a, a baby. She was a baby. She had like a bald head and was like wobbling when she walked. And she said that. And it just, it took our breath away. We were completely dumbfounded. And we knew in that moment that the book was important and meant to be, and it was something we should go forward with. And then the golden part, you know, her name, Aurelia, means golden. And I just felt like, yeah, the, the golden needed to be there. There was something about, I love myself golden. You know, there's something like about that, just like a washing over of ourselves. Cause we're taught not to love ourselves. I was conditioned not to love myself. That, so the book to me is like, again, something that I strive for, something that I want to live by. Um, but yeah, and over the years, it, I think the book itself shows the unity and it shows the humanity that we all have because we all feel trapped by something. And in our society, when it comes to women in prison, it's them and it's us. There is no them in us. There's only us. And the book proves that point. If it resonates out here and it also resonates in there, then doesn't that say we all feel trapped by something and we all have wants and needs and we all are raised not to love ourselves. So some of us are unlucky and we end up in prison, but then some of us are blessed and we get to stay out here, you know? Yeah. All, all the, the waves of that. I took that book, um, I love myself golden on like a women's retreat. I don't know if you remember this. It was probably about six months after I met you. And I knew I was like, I got to buy it like four or five copies of whatever you had at that thing. Cause I need to give this to people. And the people that um, I ended up gifting it to at this women's retreat were just like so overcome with emotion. And we would take turns reading it aloud. And the words were so, so moving. And then I, I, I was on another podcast of a, a friend of mine, Michaela Daystar, who's a Reiki energy practitioner. And it's about reading, um, kind of excerpting a piece of poetry, then talking about how it makes us feel. So I read a, an excerpt of the book on there. And same thing. It was like, you know, the people that follow her channel were like, what? Like, where can I get this book? And I was like, you need to follow this person and look at her website because it, you know, it comes out when it's available and that's that's where you can buy it. So the ripple effect of that book. And I think for me, the important part of it too is people knowing that it was written in, intentionally initially for those who are incarcerated, because I want people to think about what that means and any preconceived notions or judgments they might have about that, that this is for everyone right? At least exactly like you said, it's not an us or them. This is well, about women. For, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up because it's very problematic. The fallacies behind who's in prison. It doesn't mm -hmm. seem like it could be possible how many domestic violence survivors there are in there, but I am telling you, Megan, in our workshops, it's usually more than half of the women, more than half in there behind domestic violence. They're in there for protecting themselves or protecting their children, or they're in there for running drugs for a man when they didn't have shelter, they didn't have any money. And so to be criminalized for protecting yourself is something completely incomprehensible to me. But mm -hmm. to you know, them doing time and being treated like 
property, not people. I mean, if you get a sunburn in prison, you're going to get written up because you're property of the state. And so that sunburn could cost the state money down the line when you get skin cancer. So, yes. What? Yes. That is, I mean, there's so much people don't know. There There's is so, so much, much people don't know. And that's why I, you know, keep fighting to sit with the women. And it's usually not till I sit with them lately that I feel sane. Because out here, a lot of times I'm like, wait, you know, I'm a single mother. I'm an artist. Why am I so compelled to keep fighting to get into these walls? Because they don't want us in there. Like it has been in the pandemic, a great excuse for them to keep the programming out. So they made concerted efforts to drive us out. People are driving from Sacramento and San Diego to Chino and being turned away on a repeated basis. And they do it to wear people down until they stop trying to go in. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when I sit with the women, I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, I remember this is why I'm here because you are paying for the cruel underbelly of the society that we live in. All women are, you know, are, are treated, you know, in some sort of way that isn't right, but they're the ones that are really like, really paying with their lives, you know? Wow. Well, so part of the, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Um, Cause I know just before we started recording, you were saying like, this is possible today. Cause today is a day where you're not in the prison. I don't know if there's a way you can elaborate at all about what your schedule is like in terms of the programming you do now and not necessarily where, I don't know if you're allowed to reveal locations, but um, is it specifically the women's prison right now? And then the men's prison is more the specific projects and it's like two, two weekends a month. Is that right? Yeah, for the men's prison, I did a pilot in 2018 at Lancaster men's prison, which was an extraordinary experience. I worked with the young men, you know, for my 12 years at Central, and then I worked at different youth prisons with men, but this was my first time facilitating a really intensive program in a, in a men's high security prison, which was, it was a beautiful experience. And actually one of the men that I met in there was incarcerated for 29 years, and he led our downtown immersive theatrical tour right after being released from prison he'd only been out a year and so here he was leading all these people through the streets so it, mm -hmm. and I, there's other men that i've kept close with and i think those men taught me a lot about oh this is what it looks like when people take responsibility for themselves and when they're committed to healing it was just a beautiful experience but then um with the with the pandemic i had contact with the men only through paper packets I wrote a whole bunch of curriculum um, in conjunction with Tia Chuchas um, and Luis Rodriguez. Um, I wrote a lot of curriculum that went in um, to the men's prison, but then was stopped at the women's prison. They, we had you know $500 worth of curriculum hit that prison and they wouldn't release it. They wouldn't let the women have it. They said there were, there were inappropriate components in the packet, but wouldn't tell us what was inappropriate. I'm like, inappropriate, okay. So um, it's been this fight to, you know, kind of make our way back in. So as of this moment, we're officially every first and third Saturday. But um, there are many times we drive out there and can't get in or get in. And then the yard is recalled, which means all the women have to go back down and, and, and go back to their, you know, their cells um, for whatever reason. Maybe somebody didn't turn up an account, um, you know, so it's been about 
reaching to people who we know are in this work with us that can show solidarity and help us. Um, it's also been about, you know, walking to the units, physically walking to the units and saying, I need these women to come with me now, <laughs> you know, like, so we've just been trying different ways, but we know that the warden of CIW is not a fan of programming and doesn't want this programming for the women. So there's a lot of concerted effort to really stop it, you know, and they're going through, it's just, it's an unspeakably hard time in there. But again, I feel what they go through is a microcosm of our experience. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? I mean, it's yeah, I keep thinking of how in a weird comparison, when I taught art for a year um, at a kid's middle school here in Sacramento, and it was just a part time position. It was two days a week with the intention that it was going to go full time. And of course, the arts fund, it was an arts program. So the arts funding got cut and they were like, sorry we get like I wasn't even really sure if I even still had a part-time job so I ended up leaving and I felt so bad for the kid like I sat down with the kids and like some of them were crying and they're just like was it us like were we bad and did we do bad I'm like absolutely not this has nothing to do with your behavior who you are as people it's one of those things unfortunately that they see the the somehow the tangible value of math and science and geography and I'm not disagreeing that those aren't important but the arts like the best part of the whole year was the year end um, talent show and my god those kids got up there spoken word sang they had written things they'd made these beautiful paintings I mean every art form you can think of had come out of that I'm not saying it was me but it was their time in that class that allowed them to think outside of all of the other stuff that structures their day and kids need that and teens need that and adults need that too. And like, imagine like, yes, I understand the consequences of actions and, and in terms of the prison system, and I get myself in trouble sometimes <laughs> talking with people about it that we don't know the whole story. And like you said, like at least 50% of the women who are incarcerated are there pretty much as a direct result of trying to protect themselves from domestic violence. So how's this person who's trying to save their life, their kid's life, not need programming to survive um, their time inside? Like to me, the ramifications of that are like, even if and when they do get out, what are they coming out with? What are they experiencing? You're bringing up, this is a key point, what you're bringing up. Prison's punitive. It is a joke for the word rehabilitation to even be used because that is not happening in there. It is punitive. and. You know, I know an incredible woman doing a life sentence. She will never get released, but hopefully a miracle will happen. She deserves to come out of there. But she said, you know, it's like beating a dead horse. This is her words, this mm -hmm. idea of punishment that never ends. So, yeah, I mean, you're really making such a great point because they are they do not aim to heal or rehabilitate, they aim to punish. And that's exactly what's going on in these systems. But I think out here, you know, I, I see things very similarly, and it's probably from the work I do inside, but I don't think it's different. I think it's more disguised. I think there are a lot of, um, you know, punishments for us speaking out. 
And I think, right, <laughs> there's a lot of celebration of our liberation when I'm like, okay, so we've been, you know, only not owned by men since the 1860s. We've only been voting a short time. We've only been in the workforce a, sh a short time, and that's because we're cheaper labor. You know what I mean? Like, we've only been in college 100 years. Like, our advancements are very new. And then, you know, there's just a lot of unspoken elements about our existence, I feel, and the dangers of being a woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I wonder if in all of that, and we were talking about that a little bit before we started recording. So how do you, Jesse Bliss, the woman, the mom, the trailblazer show up for yourself, like self-care practices, any non-negotiables in your personal life, like in the midst of all you do? I have many non-negotiables because if I'm not writing and I'm not practicing mm -hmm. my craft, I it's very challenging for me to be good to those around me or to even have clear perspective. So I get up at 4 a.m. and it sounds like torture rather than self-care, but for me, it's actually self-care because that early hour allows me to um, exercise, do yoga, ride my, you know, my stationary bike, I, allow, I pray and I meditate every day, that's non-negotiable. Um, and that quiet hour, really gives me a lot of peace and sanctity you know when everybody's sleeping and it's dark outside and I'm up and I've got my coffee and it's just that quiet space it's really healing for me and very grounding because I think right now my my goal currently is to just ground as much as I can I just am always trying to ground myself knowing that there is a lot of chaos in the world right now and the more grounded I can become the better I am equipped to deal with everything going on, you know, but it's always a battle because I feel the, the demand of my schedule is not very friendly. It's just, it's just too much. It's way too much. So I hope in the coming years of my life, things can let, let up and lighten some, you know. And they will. They will. When the we're chatting about that with me right? having older daughters and you having a young one. And I Wondered if we could touch on her a little bit and you don't have to say anything about her name or her age, but I'm, I'm thinking about your hopes and your dreams for your daughter because she's absorbing so much from you being her mom and the environments and the activism like she must be immersed in in some way. And to, to think at 18 months, I love myself for her to stop nursing and, and say those words out loud. I mean, what the heck? Ooh. I, yeah, that's what I said when she when I met her. I was like, wow, she seems like such an old soul. And, you know, I started taking her on small tours for my plays when she was nine months old. That was her first one that went from Los Angeles to San Francisco. So she started going out on the road with me. And then she's been backstage for everything I've done. Or, you know, we had a radio show on KPFK for a long time. I'd bring her with. We'd just put the headphones, like the actors would help me when I couldn't be backstage. And they'd make sure to put headphones on her during the, the parts that she just shouldn't hear, you know. But, yeah, I think growing up in that, I, I'd imagine it has an impact on her. I mean, right now, I am really focused on, you know, creating a different space for her than the one that I had. Um, and trying not to even compare to compare the two, you know, um, but I, I want her to um, be empowered. I want her to feel valuable. I want her to feel loved. I want her to feel seen. I want her to feel confident and, um, you know, really stand up for herself in this life, you know, as a young woman of color and, um, you know, 
growing up in an urban environment with all the challenges that come with all of this. I, I really want her to feel equipped to stand up to all of this. And, you know, when it comes to the arts, I don't push them on her. You know, she's very involved um, in music. Actually, she loves music very, very much. And she's super literary. She reads a lot. But I am very careful not to push her um, or not to, you know, put her in anything that's um, professional level. You know, I'll let her choose that for herself. Because I think the process, her going through the organic process of, of art over and over as a child is gonna really pay off for her as a woman. But you know, it's it's scary raising a little girl in the world that we're in. And there's a lot of conversations that no parent can be prepared to have, that we have to have. When George Floyd got murdered, um, I felt I had to tell her because I knew she was gonna pick it up and I didn't want her to find out from somebody else. And she started throwing things around our house that day. She started throwing things and crying and screaming, and I've never, ever seen my child react to anything like that. Um, and I, I canceled all the plans we had that day, and I took her out to the ocean, you know, because I, I, I knew she needed something. So it's like, you know, the things that kids have to be aware of from COVID to racism, like, you know, this world that we're living in, it's rough for them. So thank you for asking that question because as an artist and a mom it's always a fine line and i feel my own liberation is somehow tied into her well-being and that when i turn my back on and i know you get this with those two gorgeous grown daughters when i turn my back on myself and my own voice and my own care i'm essentially impacting her so you know what i mean so that hard work of of my own liberation is is connected to her. You hit the nail on the <clears throat> on the head. I started to tear up there because when I've seen my daughters both do that as adults now, living separately with their respective partners, they're both finished school now, but like working. Congratulations! They, <laughs> thank you. Um, but they do they have learned that from me too, right? To like work and work and work and work and do all this stuff. And they exhaust themselves pretty regularly. And then when I call them on it, they're like, well, who do you think we learned it from? But not in a, not in the nasty way. It's, it's more of a, like, just reflecting back. And I'm like, I know. And I know I've like got that personality type because I'm so passionate about the things that I, I want to do and be in this world. And I wanted to be a good role model for you, but also learning to bring in that they don't really well my youngest one used to do yoga with me a lot but bringing in that part like what is your yoga and if it's not meditation and if it's not the physical practice of yoga what is stepping back and self-care look like for you because you need to do that sometimes and for us to keep having that conversation as they move through adulthood so that they don't you know make those same mistakes oh and the other thing you said really resonated so much that your, um, your healing is so tied up in creating that relationship with her and presenting views and lenses on the world that you didn't necessarily have growing up. And it's the same for, for me. I'm just like, I feel like I'm becoming my own mother and grandmother through mothering them, right? Because those people were missing from my life. And I was thinking about this recently. I'm like, there really weren't a whole lot of female role models other than what was like on tv and stuff and kind of distant family members and I'm like I'm not gonna like let that get bogged me down in this moment like there's so much 
from lack that I then tried to turn into an experience with them to ensure that they didn't experience that. And that heals something in me too. So I feel like you, you really nailed that and are continuing to. I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, it is, there is something very healing. But I mean, you know, I grew up with a lot of trauma and it sounds like you did too. Um, and, you know, so it's this constant dance with it because I feel, you know, no matter how much healing a person does, you know, we can't erase our experiences, you know, roots and wings. It's like, you know, our roots are real and they make us who we are, you know? So it's like, I try to learn to dance with it. Like, oh, okay. You know, wow, that's still there. And just try to smile at it and love it. And you know what I mean? Cause it, it comes up when you're raising somebody, you remember things and you're like, wow, I don't believe I went through that. That's crazy, you know? And, and I think when you grow up and you're raised around a lot of trauma and you're raised to feel like your life isn't important and you're not an important person, it, it, you, it, it kind of defines your motherhood, right? It's like, it makes you, you're, you're, you're always, mothering in, in conjunction with that I feel or at least I am you know what I mean it's it's mm -hmm. a battle it's an inner battle because I'm like I'm doing for her what was never done for me so I don't really know what it looks like but I can kind of feel it I can kind of feel it so I'm just like winging it all the time you know yeah no I totally and I'm actually glad you brought up roots and wings again because that's the name of your your company and I know you've gone through a big change. You just rebranded and, and re-released your website. Um, and so I was going to ask you something you're personally and or professionally really proud of. And I don't know if that's one of them. I suspect that it is. How, how would you answer that question? But And if it's, if it's not specifically Roots and Wings, I'd still love to talk more about that after too. What I'm proud of? Mm-hmm. Something I'm you're really, really, really proud of. I'm really proud of the collaborative work we've created in the Roots and Wings project. I am so proud of that. I'm proud of all the artists that have come together time and again over the years and just literally breathed fire and given every ounce of heart and blood and bones and life force to the work. I'm very, very proud of that. That just lights up my soul um, because I feel like you, with the Roots and Wings project, you can't pretend, you can't phone it in, like you have to do the work for real. And it's hard, it's hard for me, it's hard for all of us. So I think the fact that, you know, that everybody comes together in great commitment to do the real work is, is just something that I hold with great gratitude. It's been mm -hmm. a great, great gift in my life. Yeah, I believe it. And it's the rootsandwingsproject.com, right? Yes, is it exactly. like the, the rootsandwingsproject.com? Yeah, the, exactly, that's the website. It's beautiful. I love the relaunch. Oh my gosh. The photos are so great. And you've got all the posters of like the productions. You guys, you got to visit, check out her work. The video you released, the little clip um, of a yard was so powerful. I watched it again this morning with my husband because I was just like, this is this person I'm interviewing today worked on this project. And he was just like, yeah, he was really. Which, which clip was it? Um, the one from a yard where it goes into um, in the men's prison and it was the dance program. Oh, you know what? That video is gorgeous and it's not mine. I can't take credit for that oh. one. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. The video from A Yard at Lancaster mm -hmm. Men's Prison. Mm -hmm. Yes, that was a dance company. Mm -hmm. And that footage is very difficult to get. I mean, it's very hard to film in there, but the Roots of Wings project had done work on the A Yard. 
Okay. We, you know, they categorize by, you know, yard, like it's A, B, and it, it kind of descends down into a really crazy yard. <laughs> but, um, <gasps> but yeah, we, we had done our pilot on A yard. So that, but that video that that dance group did is incredible. Oh, I didn't know. That, yeah. I didn't know that either about a, a yard B. I was like, I was calling it a yard. Like, yeah, oh, that's so funny. Right yeah. now, yeah. I, I get it though. It's like the outdoor time, right? And then where they're labeled like A, B, C, D or. Yeah, like, yeah, A yard is is considered the honors yard at Lancaster. It's the honors yard. So they have a little bit more privilege and freedom, more programming. And you know what? I've only been to A and B out there. And even going to B, I was like, whoa, this is a crazy difference. You know, but Lancaster in general is a very frightening prison, very frightening prison. But already just going one down to B, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't imagine C, D and the other ones like, whoa, it's crazy out there. You know, tell us a bit about that. I. I had a proposition oh, 10, 12 years ago when I was still living in Toronto to want to do an arts program in a um, the prison system. And it's different in Canada than it is here, but I was met with no's at every turn. Like I didn't know how to, they were just like, you can't. And as a woman, what are you talking about? Like they won't let a woman inside to. So when I came across you and saw the work you're doing, I'm like, maybe that's a <laughs> too big of a question, but like what? Has that been like, because I know you've had difficulties, right? Especially in light of the pandemic, but it, it seems like there would be obstacles anyway, regardless. Enormous obstacles, it, mm -hmm. enormous obstacles. And then you're always, or I'm always questioning myself, like, do I want to keep fighting for this? But that's a healthy question that you always have to ask. But yes, I mean, I think when I first started doing the work, I was in my 20s and I started doing the work because somebody I loved very dearly was incarcerated when I was a teenager and his incarceration really impacted me. And I was doing the time with him, always visiting him at the prison, on the phone every day, writing letters every day. And he went through a lot of very traumatic experiences. They murdered somebody in his unit and said he was next. And I mean, he saw it happen. So he had to go into you know protective custody into you know a high security part of that facility and so that was dramatic it was just a lot you know and i didn't realize how it would inform my own life path but when i started going in i was in my 20s i was them you know i was barely older than they were so i think at that time you know um i just i i just had a very tough exterior but then I also came with a lot of love and I would share my own work with them and talk with them. And I just tried to lead with love. But I think as I've grown older, um, I've evolved more into working with the adults. And again, I feel like I, I could be them. I could, I could be any of those women. I mean, you know, my ex-boyfriend, God bless him. Like we're cool, we're friends. I have so much love for him, but I was put in some pretty bad predicaments that could have cost me my freedom many times over. You know, um, eight balls of cocaine having to be hidden in my bra while we're getting pulled over by the police, like stuff that's not cool, not funny, that could have cost me a lot of years of my own freedom. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like, um, you know, they are me and I am them. However, I'm equally compelled to do work out here. But I, I almost think that working, you know, on the outs and creating productions is just as hard because there's more pretense out here. When you sit with the women, there's enormous solidarity and love. They just have each other's back in that space. And you can be yourself and you can talk about your hardships very freely and there's no judgment 
only love. Whereas out here, the artists work differently. There's way more layers. There's way more guard. There's way more ego. So it's very challenging. Do you know what I mean? To get all the way down into the heart-centered space and and really make work from the bottom of your goal, your your goal, your gold and yeah. your soul and your heart. You know, it's challenging out here. Yeah, that's a whole, it's almost like, it sort of feels like everything's stripped away in there. You can't have pretense anymore because you're all in there. I'm like, I'm so, I'm, yeah, I'm taken aback by that, by how, how much realer and, and authentic it seems like the expression and the sharing and connection even is one day that's a huge i'm i'm thinking of the word legacy in terms of what you do um and i don't think any of those women or men probably who've people in general who've worked with you will ever forget what you've done as an impact in their life and i i feel like that's going to be a big part of your legacy which is something to be proud of what what do you hope people will remember about the life and work of Jesse Bliss. Oh, Megan, you're so kind. I mean, I, I, I hope to transform, to help transform people, whether they're in an audience or in a prison, or I hope that the stories that I help tell, whether my own or whether telling stories in a collective, I hope they have an impact. And I hope that's the legacy is the impact of the work, the impact of the stories, the impact of the of the solidarity like we're, we're having here you know the impact mm -hmm. of coming together and and creating i hope that that impact is the legacy and that the words and the work live on you know and on and on and that's like the beauty of art is like you create something and even though you bleed for it and it, you're going to be giving like a part of yourself right you are if you're really doing the work but the the beauty is that it will never ever go away you know, it never ever leaves. And it's in the heart of, of everybody who participated in it forever. Yeah, no, I, I believe that to be true already and that it's gonna continue moving forward. I, I don't know the answer to this, but I wanna ask you if you have any upcoming uh, public in-person or online writing workshops that people can join. And if not, how else can they, or should they connect with you to like, support your cause what you're doing how to like when your next production is i want to know all, all the things and i'm looking for a copy of your book because i have it here <laughs> i want to read something or i want you to read something from it oh <laughs> i don't even think i have a copy right now i mean actually i have some that are not assembled that i could grab i think i do or you do you you okay. could be an excerpt. You could Either be way, I'm sure they would love to they hear my voice all the time. I love them to hear <laughs> your I'll voice grab, if you feel comfortable. I'll grab my disassembled pages. But, you know, it's it's um, a humbling question because there's always something. And right now, it's, you know, um, it's like I, I feel like I'm either planting seeds or watering them, you know, and, and I feel like the watering mm -hmm. is a very external show, the, something the public can see. So it's a humbling moment where... It's like the first time in many, many years of my life where I'm like, no, I'm actually working on a book right now, you know, of my plays and poems. So I'm, you know, um, yeah, I'm making um, a collection really of plays and poems that's gonna be, re I release hopefully early next year. So I'm working on that, 
which, yeah, again, humbling because I'm a person who likes to be in production. I like, you know, having a show out in public and being in production, working with a bunch of artists. So it's humbling to take this time to just, you know, write and incubate. So I'm working on that. And then again, we're writing a lot of grants right now. Um, but yeah, so I'd say the best thing right now, we are doing a fundraiser for um, our work at uh, the prison in Chino at CIW, California Institution for Women. Um, we're raising money to, we need a lot of materials right now because they're having such a hard time accessing us. So we're printing lots of flyers that we can pass out so that they can circulate. A lot of the units in the prison are on lockdown because of COVID. So this way, when we're coming, whoever is not on lockdown can find us. And then we're, you know, we're trying to get stickers to put on our all of our materials, like our our um, writing packets that we bring them. So we're raising money right now to support that program. And Chino's far. I mean, it's a day's work. I go with my dear colleague Sigrid Gilmer, who's been a writer, and she's extraordinary. She's a part of you know the Roots and Wings project for like eight or nine years at this point. And so we go out there together, and she's just—it's been incredible to have her part of this project. So we're doing mm -hmm. that fundraiser. But soon, as you know, start of the start of the new year, um, next year we'll be rolling out shows and projects again. We just need to recalibrate. Should I grab my pages? Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me grab my. I pages. would love that. Okay, let me see what I've got here. Yeah. For those of you. Another thing, you know, the money also goes towards bringing them this book. You know, they like to have. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, getting them the copies and everything, um, you know, gets expensive. So money goes into that as well. Um, let's see. I'll just start right here. When the world fails to recognize the sheer and utter beauty that you are inside and out, it is time to do it for yourself. When people have tried to beat you down and shove you to the side like you do not matter, it is time to love yourself. When you have spent days and nights crying from the pain of your life experiences and the betrayal trusted others have done to you, it's time to love yourself. Loving yourself is an eternal weapon against any and every pain or hurt ever inflicted upon you. Loving yourself is the way to freedom. When you can't find it in you to love yourself right, Look at the clouds, the stars, the sun, the moon, the mountains, the flowers, and know they are all loving you. Even in dark times, you are the light. You were put here to grow and shine and become the best possible you. You deserve every opportunity this life has to offer. And then here, I'll show oh. a couple of images. I mean, this is a disassembled book that we're looking at here. But um, yeah, this is the cover um, art that Alfie mm -hmm. designed specifically for the book. Oh yeah, you've got the cover right mm -hmm. there. And this is like one of her gorgeous images. She's such a profound artist, Alfie. She's just incredible. She really is. I started following her right after I met you. For those of you listening who can't see on, on YouTube, it's a, the main cover image is a woman with long flowing hair. And she's got like a big, I call it a mandala, but it could be like a crown and then owls are nestled in her hair and her eyes are in shade. And it's just like, it's just this beautiful. And then it's a golden cover, it kind of shimmers. Um, and it is like, like Jesse said, it fits in the palm of your hand. 
and you can slide it into your shirt or your bra or your pocket or your purse. And I do carry it with me sometimes um, to just refer back to if I know I'm going to a waiting room or something, you know what I mean, where I might be sitting. I'm like, rather than look at my phone, I will bring that with me. So I have my, <laughs> my little earmarks for my favorite parts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Heart. that touches my heart so deeply it really does and and you're reminding me like that's the thing we have freedom out here like that book won't get taken from you right like and I, I love your show and I love the work that you're doing because that's I one of the great gifts of the work it's like out here we can make things happen and there's all these forces trying to shut us down and shut us up but you know shows like this you know and and the work that you're creating and the voices that you're bringing around your show it's like this is the freedom that we have and when we do this we're doing it for them you know what i mean and that's why it's exciting to me to make work out here even though it's hard but i think with everything we create you know it's so great to remember like this is a gift that we can actually do this and that we have the freedom as hard as it is cuz it is hard but we have the freedom to bring this work forward and to share it and move it, you know? Yeah. Introducing it to more and more people, garnering support for you so you can keep doing this work. I want people to visit your website, the roots and wings project.com on Instagram. Is it, is it also the roots? And, I can't remember because I've been following okay. you. So it's the raw underscore project, the raw project, the raw underscore project. Yeah. That's what it is on Instagram. Okay. Yes. And then I will put those links in the show notes. And when we're, um, my yoga audio also has a Instagram and a TikTok. So I'll, I'll provide links to all your channels on there. Thank so people you. can just click on them and you can send me any beautiful photos of yourself that you like <laughs> that we can post to promote the episode. I would love that. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Any parting thoughts that you want to share with listeners or viewers? I want to say thank you, you know, for being in this space with us and for taking the time to listen and our hearts are connected, whether or not we can actually see each other. It's a, it's a true gift. So thank you so, so much. Yeah. And also, you know, um, I think it's really important to fight actively for the women right here in our country. There are atrocities happening globally that also need our immediate at attention. It's important to remember, though, that here women are fighting every single day in their homes, in their workplaces, in the streets for their own safety and their own human rights. And it's a it's an emergency and we all need to do everything that we can to protect ourselves and each other and to fight to make the world a safer place for women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Or right? A safe place. <laughs> Let's just make it a yeah. safe place. Safer place where we treat yeah. each other with love and dignity and respect and absolutely yeah, equality. We gotta keep that dream alive that that can be possible for us. We have mm -hmm. to live that dream, and and not be you know complacent in um you know our work toward it. it it's it, our own happiness is critical, and you know whenever we catch our breath, if we have something to give, that's really helpful too. Mm -hmm. Oh, it really is, and every every son or daughter, every child born that we're raising, that we're changing even one little thing about their experience in the world and how they view others and what love is available to them. That's something too, whether you've birthed your own children or you're nurturing or working with others. Thank you for that reminder. Like you're such a nurturer, like to all those men and women 
you know, incarcerated or otherwise, even just in community. I've got to get you in touch with, oh my gosh, Griselda Osegueda, who was the previous guest um, on Maya. She's a, um, a producer and she talked about that, how that saved her life, how somebody working with her and introducing her how to do community-based projects and screenwriting and all that took her out of what could have been a very negative turn and, and what was her reality, right, before that. But we can really make the, a difference in the life of a, even just one person. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, no, I, I, that's, she, she sounds absolutely amazing. I mean, art is a savior. It saved my life. I mean, it gave me a positive direction mm -hmm. and it gave me a place to pour my soul and my passion. And it, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, cause I feel like people discount it as corny, but it's not corny at all. You know, it's about saving lives and this work does do that. Right. It, it actually does. Yeah. Transformative. As you said, you want your legacy to be transformative. And I believe that to be true. Yeah, because look at, thank you. Thank you for affirming that. I mean, the capability of the human spirit is profound. You know, it really is like what we are capable of enduring mm -hmm. and the gifts we're capable of giving. It's actually unbelievable. You know, I feel like, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the negative, the negative aspects. But if you think about it, you know, what, what a miracle all of us are. And the fact that, you know, right, like that we have the ability to give so much to each other. It's amazing. And I believe there's more of that than there is of anything else, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that will, that will overcome. That's the hope. That's, That's the, the hope. hope. That's oh. the fear, right? All we can only do, we can do. And we have it within us to just do what we can and, and be, be kind to ourselves in that process. Because I know it can be frustrating for any of us to feel like, wow, I wish I had more capacity, you know. And I think society is good at keeping us in the wheel and keeping <laughs> us really, really busy and, and taking away our time and space, you know, that we need to flourish. So mm -hmm. like, we're all always fighting against that. Yeah. And if we can, you know, care for ourselves model that for someone else and then we have more that we can give when we're feeling a little more rested so thank you exactly. i mean Audrey lord would talk about that in her work you know that, that self-care is actually it's it's an act of revolution you know self-care it actually is it's a political mm -hmm. it's political warfare mm -hmm. to take care of ourselves right it's like what we've been conditioned not to do right but there's a beautiful movement toward it now mm-hmm Thank and you're goodness. great at that. I mean, you're, <laughs> with your yoga practice, it's very inspiring. Thank you. What started out as this channel, listeners know this, um, my yoga audio was intended originally just to be the practice of yoga and meditations. And then I had a guest on and they loved it so much. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll do like another few and then I'll have another guest. And I did a poll of listeners at the end of the first year and they were like, I just redo the classes that you record. And then, but I really like listening to the interviews, but like, I'll go back. Like you have six or seven different classes. You don't need to put like a hundred <laughs> on there. Like, we just want to meet more people. Like, where do you, like, how do you know these people? And so that was the storytelling. Everybody hearing somebody else's story, what wonderful work they're doing in the world, whether they're artists, writers, activists, all of the above yoga teachers so yeah maya has evolved into more so yoga out in the world like what what part are we doing out in the, the world and what does yoga mean for you in your life which you already answered that question like a hundred times over so beautifully so 
Thank, Thank you. you. Yoga, yeah, I've been practicing yoga most of my life. And it's, it's such a gift. It is such a gift. So that's beautiful. I love how your show has evolved on its own. It took its own form mm -hmm. and showed you what it wanted to be. Yeah. <laughs> Our babies do that, right? It's so true. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You guys, you're so lucky. You have no idea how lucky you are to have met Jesse today. And maybe we'll have to have her back on and talk about oh yeah when your book is done when you get when yes. you got, get that oh my gosh yes. I'll, be, I'll be first on the list <laughs> you I'm I'm honored to be here and, and you're magnificent and beautiful in always so really I'm very grateful thank you for the time and space yeah you're so welcome I feel like we're like related somehow from the moment I, that I met you and we all just so you all know we did like a little we took a few moments before we started and really felt you know, presence coming in ancestral or, or otherwise just standing all around us. And so I really hope that everybody who listens, who watches, understands the power of what happens when people come together and support one another. And it may not always look like what you think it's going to look like, but what a, what a profound change just two people just having this conversation how many years later after we first met and we knew and we weren't afraid of like okay this is weird but I feel like I know you and we need to keep in touch and and not being afraid of that just like going with what that feeling is and look how you can support one another as as time goes by I could talk to you all day. <laughs> I know likewise I'm talking for hours and hours and hours but it's it's, it's um a, a true gift too and you know you speak this we speak the same language you know the minute we met we knew that and that's yeah that's important and to be honored so thank you so much yeah look forward to more there's gonna be more conversations that we're gonna have absolutely and next time you know jesse's um la based but i know you come to sacramento sometimes so we have to like figure out a way to make that happen and, and make some time for a coffee or a walk or dinner or something like Let's that in person. I would love that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a must. it's a must. And thanks for your support of the work. You know, really, thank you so much for supporting the women in the work. Absolutely. So I'm going to encourage everybody else to do that too. I'll put some links in the show notes and on social media, and I will be updating the website soon with all our most recent guests. I'll put all the links there so you won't have to search too hard to find them. Um, and thanking Jesse again for making the time to be here today for her daughter for sharing that time with us for the people you work with um, at the Roots and Wings project and all throughout your life for for sharing your very valuable and sacred time with us. Listeners, please give us some feedback on this episode. I know you're currently really resonating with Griselda's episode, and I love it. You've been answering the Spotify questions and commenting on TikTok and on YouTube, actually. So I want to continue to get that feedback um, from you. And if you have questions for Jesse or for me, please let me know. Myyogaaudio at gmail.com. All right. And until next time. Remember, it's always a great time for your mind and your body and your soul to be on the mat wherever it may be. I'm your host, Megan Morgan, signing off for now. <laughs>